Hello and welcome to episode three of the Eden Project Communities podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jack French, and today I'm joined by Tracy Robbins. Uh, Tracy is the Eden Project Communities UK Campaigns Manager, and she's here today to talk to us about loneliness. Uh, Tracy has worked in the field of loneliness for over 10 years, um, with working with the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. Welcome, Tracy. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Jack. Good, good. So we're here today to talk about loneliness. Something very dear to my heart. Yeah, uh, it's obviously a, a topic that's that's in the news, it's mm. in the media, it's everywhere. Um, do you want to start off by telling us a bit about sort of loneliness and, and who it affects? Yeah, so um, I think loneliness, um, and it's really great that, you know, sort of 10 years I've been working in this issue, that it's actually topical and people are able to talk about it. But I think before we... Um, look at who it does affect, I think we have to be really sure about what loneliness is. So people often talk about loneliness and isolation and social isolation as if it's all the same thing, and it's very, very different. So for me, loneliness um, is uh, very similar to hunger. So it's an internal trigger that tells you to seek company, as hunger will tell you to seek food, thirst will tell you to have a drink. But it's like a hunger for your favourite meal. Do you know? So loneliness is very much subjective and anybody can experience loneliness at any time. And there's a myriad of causes that um, can cause loneliness. So social isolation and isolation are very different things. The isolation is where often you have no choice but to be alone. But with loneliness, you can be with so many people and still feel lonely. So loneliness is not about being alone. And I think we have found that anybody of any age can experience loneliness for, as I said, so many reasons. So life transitions are real trigger points, changing schools, um, losing parents, like Laura did, even parents leaving when you're a young child, moving, having babies, mm. people think are really wonderful occasions, but actually it changes people's circumstances dramatically. Going to university, often people think that's going to be fabulous and they often experience a lot of loneliness um, and we often see people drop out of um, university because of loneliness. And of course, um, loneliness that people are well aware of is that that's affected more by older people. Mm. And that's as life transitions change, you lose friends, you might move, you lose your mobility. You know, so, um, and people often who are older tend to be more socially isolated as yeah. well as lonely, so they tend to be on their own. You sort of described there that, you know, there's all these different life events that can, can bring on loneliness and that it can happen to anyone. Mm. Why do you think it is now it's 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 more people more open to talk about loneliness as you know they weren't previously? Why do you think it's more sort of topical now? I think there's been quite a few organizations working um, really, really hard to address um, the issue of loneliness and get people to talk openly about it. I think one of the key factors was linking it to health. Um, that really made it topical um, and current and poignant for people. 
So if you think that the impact of loneliness is as um, detrimental, smoking 15 cigarettes a day, twice as bad for your health as obesity, links to cardiovascular disorder, heart disease, coronary disease, I think you're 46% more likely to get dementia if you experience lonely. And there's even some studies out there that say you're more likely to die prematurely. So you're twice as likely to die prematurely if you are lonely. And I think that evidence and connection to health, and also we've seen wonderful campaigns around mental health and depression and mind and, and things like that. So that that has raised the whole bar that people are able to talk about loneliness, and mm. rightly so. So, you know, you say there about this sort of emphasis about talking about it, what other sort of, what else works in addressing mm. loneliness? What, what sort of tips are there for people mm. who are experiencing it, who might be listening in now? I think the biggest thing for people experiencing loneliness is the shame. So if you're a young professional and everybody's having a great time and you can see all that on social media, to say you're lonely is really difficult. Mm. And if I was to say to you, oh, Jack, I'm lonely, you'd go, no, you're not lonely, Tracy, I'm your friend. Mm. And that's not the case. And people, if they um, feel lonely, are unable to say that. And when they do, people try to reassure them that they're mm. not. So there's that instant barrier. So the first thing we need to do is be able to sit with people's loneliness and not try and fix it. Mm. Secondly, if I'm feeling lonely... I am probably feeling um, unable to communicate. So if you think of loneliness as a mismatch between the relationships you have and those you want, mm. you obviously there's some relationships that are missing in your life that you want. And the basis of relationships is communication. So if you're unable to communicate with people, that is your biggest barrier mm. to dealing with loneliness. And often people who are lonely really lack self-worth so they think it's their fault so they think there's something wrong with them or they think they might be being needy do you know so it's all those internal you know chattering monkeys in your head that are telling you not to speak about it and put on a brave face so for anybody experiencing loneliness the first thing is want to accept it yourself it's okay to be lonely I still experience loneliness thankfully it's more transient than it has been in the past, do you know, but I experience great loneliness and it's around my daughter and my grandchildren because they live far away mm. and I want to be there and I, want, I used to have them every weekend and there's a mismatch there between the relationship I have and the one I really want, yeah. you know. And especially with, um, like Laura's instance, when you lose parents, I lost my dad at a young age and lost my mum and I go, on, I'm an orphan now, mm. you know, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm late 40s um, but there's a mismatch there I won't that, that's a relationship now I don't have mm. and I will always feel lonely at anniversary times and things like that but thankfully I have a family that are able to keep me buoyant it's people who don't have that support network that can keep them buoyant through those times of loneliness mm. we all will experience it the key thing is having those support networks to get us through it yeah and being open with the people who do love and care about us, and they will be out there to be able to work on it. So it's, it's the power of talking yeah. and being able to share. Genuinely is. And, and if you're listening to someone, it's also about just listening mm. and being. You can't fix it. Do you know? It's not go to that group, why don't you do this, why don't you do this? Just being there, just being with that person, I think, is key. Yeah. Um, I was reading something the other day and it was all around the sort of confusion around uh, loneliness and isolation mm. and how 
they're often put under the same umbrella, yet they're mm. two separate things. Yeah. Could you tell us a bit about loneliness and isolation and the sort of difference around loneliness and isolation? Yeah, so I think, um, so when I worked for Just Boundary Foundation, we did uh, neighbourhood approaches to loneliness. So looking at loneliness from a place perspective, because mm. often people look at it from an older person or young carers or, you know, uh, young mothers. So they is- sort of isolate people into groups and we looked at it place perspective. One of the places we looked at was in Bradford. Um, it had a huge um, South Asian population, which are notoriously big families, mm. and which had a huge South Asian population with lovely uh, big families and, and well-knitted communities. But the loneliness experienced in those communities would treble that of any other place. And that's because, one, it was tab- taboo to talk about it, but also people assumed and even the people themselves assumed because they were not on their own what they were feeling could not be loneliness Mm. do you know because people think loneliness is about being on your own but that's isolation so isolation is being on your own you know whereas loneliness is a feeling of feeling that you're not connected to those around you so it's that feeling regardless of how many people are around you that you don't connect with any of those people so would it be fair to say that you could be in a relationship or in a friendship and feel lonely mm. and equally you could be on your own and feel yeah. isolated yet not not feel the sort of symptoms yeah. if you will of loneliness many many people are i mean if you think of the many relationships and divorces and domestic violence and all those things that people don't want to talk about mm. you know those people in those situations will be experiencing great loneliness and probably hiding their situations from other people I remember talking to my friend when I moved so moving was quite a a dip for me and I was feeling really lonely and not familiar with anywhere and she said you can't be lonely you've got Mark and you've got a dog and you've got a family and it was like this thing like you possibly cannot possibly be lonely because you've got a man Mm. you know and he was a great man do you know and and don't, don't get me wrong but actually I was because it wasn't that relationship that was making me feel lonely it was the mismatch in other areas of my life that was making me feel lonely so just sort of you know overall would you say that there is a rise in loneliness um or would you say that it's more that people are more willing to talk about it that makes it seem more more prevalent today i think um it is more socially acceptable but still taboo Mm. in quite a few areas um to talk about loneliness i think there was some research done in 19 47, which talked about the loneliness of men. Do you know, so I don't think, and if you think of our histories and our horrible histories, I'm sure there were a lot of people experiencing loneliness during that time, but they just would not have spoke about it during those hardships. Um, I think there are different factors that will cause loneliness today. Um, When I did the research, there was about 56 factors that contribute to loneliness. In most of the neighbourhoods and in um, in the one in Bradford, there are 182 mm. factors that contribute to loneliness. Um, there's often the... Um, I was at um, a conference earlier today and they were talking about the fact that we've had our post offices removed and maybe our local pubs and local banks and those local services where we would have naturally connected and spoke to people. So there's an infrastructure there that's gone. But also now, as a society, when we do gather in those spaces, we don't naturally talk to people Mm. anyway because we chat on our phones. Mm. Do you know? So there is a shift, but actually being able to chat on our phones and talk to people. So like me with my grandchildren, I can Skype them, message them, and and that helps me feel close and connected. Mm. Do you know? So I just think it's really 
complex. I've often been asked, is social media good or a bad thing, you know, and is a new technology? And I think it, it's like anything, it can be both. Do you know what I mean? Depends yeah. what you use it for. But I think especially it's a form of communication and communication is a good thing, but you need all the sort of a bit like all your food groups. You need yeah, all your groups of communication to be well-rounded. And I think where those um, online um, and sort of relationships and communication are based in real life, they really, really work to mm-hmm. keep that consistent communication flow going. So that's also another issue that I think we face um, in today's society is we're quite transient. So we used to all live together and work together. And now we will often travel and work away. Um, And we might not pick up the phone to people for months on end. Mm. So it's also about the consistency of communication. So I have to send postcards to people, texts and things just to sort of drip feed that communication because if I've not spoke to you for three months I'm not going to pick up the phone and go Jack I'm having a really bad day do you know I feel sad don't know what to do you know it's all going pear shaped um, and I'm, I'm feeling really lost and lonely if I spoke to you last week you'd know I was maybe going downhill and I'd be able to say that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that we keep those little bits of conversations going and that we're really open when we are beginning to struggle. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't know the name of it, the best thing is to talk to someone else about it. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I just want to jump in real quick, Helen. This is a producer statement. I just first I just wanted to apologise for the drilling noise (laughs) that was uh, rudely interrupted us. But I also wanted to ask... um, you know, you, you've sort of touched on that in a lot of cases there are trigger points mm. and there are root causes. Mm. And in in a way, it's, it's unlike certain mental illnesses mm. where there's a chemical imbalance. Yeah. You know, I, I sometimes wonder that people who don't necessarily have a trigger point mm. or a chemical imbalance, they're not included yeah. in the whole sort of conversation. Mm. And some mm. people are just intrinsically mm. lonely within themselves mm. or, or, or you know they can't necessarily fit into mm. something do you feel do you know do you know what I mean do you feel that there's, that's a, a problem that doesn't really have a solution I think um, it's difficult when you talk about problems and solutions isn't it because then you assume there's a fix I think especially for young people or for people trying to find an identity. So I think there's a real mismatch sometimes with how you think your life's going to be or who you think you might be in your life or who you want in your life. And or, and there's a real struggle, I think, to find peace with yourself and your place within the world. And I think that can cause a huge amount of loneliness. Um, people will not believe it, but I always think I am intrinsically lonely and I think I um, have a lower level than a lot of other people so I can fizzle down to nothing and there's a poem and I think the last verse that says um, when you're on your own in the empty hours are you truly happy with the company you keep my answer would always be no do you know and that is something that is you know inherent in me um, and I don't know you know whether there would ever be a solution to that do you know what I mean and and I think there's a way of maybe learning how to live with that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's something around, and what is not spoke about is actually how you live with loneliness. That actually it can be a really creative space, it can be a really therapeutic space, a lot of artists, a lot of poetry, a lot of really beautiful works have come out of people experiencing loneliness. 
So you're right, there's lots of things that are not... It's such a complex issue already. You sort of throw another thing in the mix. They go, oh, I don't know how to fix that. And the thing is, there is not one silver bullet to fix this. We are complex individuals. And as I said before, what makes me feel lonely might not make you feel lonely. Do you know, and actually, I might not know what's at the root cause of my loneliness, and may never, but I have to live with it. Do you know, so it's how can you live a full life as well, knowing that you could be inherently lonely. Do you know, and I think that's, I mean, my daughter is an incredibly lonely person, and I cannot fix that for her, do you know, but I can be there for her. You know, so I, and I just think that's all we can do, is just be there for others and hope that people are there for us. Well, it's a good job that we've heard there from uh, producer Stevie Green, as last month he went up to Northampton to visit Big Lunch Community Walker 2019, Laura Graham, to chat to her about loneliness. Let's hear what they had to say. The, the general consensus used to be that, that loneliness was something that more you know affected old elderly people more but i think the conversation is sort of you know diverted away from that now and it's 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 covering everybody because everybody does get these feelings um do you think there's still like a stigma with younger people admitting that they feel lonely and and you know reaching out for help definitely um we, we live in a world where we're so connected with social media and, um, you know, we can, we can talk to people across the other side of the world. We couldn't do that ten, even 10 years ago. So the idea is that we aren't lonely ever because we have this technology at our fingertips. Um, and certainly when you're younger, you've got, you know, jobs and family and all the rest of it around you. Um, you're meant to feel quite connected to everyone. It's just not the case, um, and certainly with my experience, um, being someone in their thirties who you know knows lots of people, um, you know works full time, you'd never expect that somebody like me would feel lonely. Um, and so talking about it and writing about it, I was shocked by the response. So many people came back to me and said, yeah, I feel lonely. You know, people in marriages, in families, um, people my age, younger, older. Um, and the response was probably the biggest response I've had from anything that I've written, which was um, such a surprise. But it was really nice because I feel like people just needed someone to say that they felt it. And then it almost gave them permission to be like, oh, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> um, and the more we can be honest with each other and talk about stuff, the easier it will all get. And just to realise that we're in it together. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because it's like a lot of mental illnesses or you know, mental health issues. There's not necessarily something that triggers it specifically. Um, but it, you know, there's there's life transitions that can be a big factor, and that's something that you've discussed before. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, for me, the the sense of loneliness developed over a number of years. Um, you know, it's not it's not that one day you're not lonely, and then the next day you are. It doesn't really happen that way. Um, I I lost my mum when I was quite young, um, so I was in my sort of mid twenties, um, and that made life and my mental health very difficult for a long time. Um, and it, it kind of had quite a profound effect on how I connected with other people. Um, and I found myself in a job where I was working on my own and traveling the UK a lot, um, living alone. Um, and it just became very easy when all my friends started getting married and having kids to just all of a sudden realize, oh, 
it's just me. <laughs> um, where is everyone? Um, and and having that kind of um, viewpoint of oh well, I, everyone else must be okay. It's just me. I'm I, I must be odd. Um, but not having my mum to turn to, not having um, I wasn't living you know with anyone, um, not having uh, kids or that kind of stuff around me. It it was just all of a sudden it crept up on me. Um, and I think it creeps up on a lot of people. Um, and that's that's a really difficult thing because you don't see it coming and then it's like, oh, <laughs> then it's there. Um, and it's only when you look back and start realising that actually it's probably been affecting your mental health for quite a while. Um, and, um, you know, like loneliness isn't, isn't a tangible thing. Um, but do you think that there's a process of moving through it to the other side, if you like, or... Do you think it's more of an ongoing process? Um, for me, and I can only talk for me, um, I feel like it was a process because it was actually recognising that that's how I felt in the first place was the first thing. Um, and I know that sounds really simple, but actually it's really difficult. Um, so realising that actually I felt socially isolated and that it was having a negative impact on my mental health and then thinking, right, what can I do about it? Um, and a lot of people, when they are suffering with um, sort of mental ill health, feel like they can't do anything. They feel helpless because you're in such a space where, I don't know, you just, you can't see straight and it's difficult. So, so for me, I just, I tried to battle through that and, and thought, no, what can I actually do? Took some positive steps, started volunteering, um, you know, threw a big lunch, which... Um, was life-changing it, it really was um so and from that from I mean it, I didn't just have a big lunch and think oh yeah I've got loads of friends I'm not lonely anymore it doesn't quite work like that um but what it did slowly but surely over time is I felt connected to people I knew that I could call on people if I needed to, if I needed to it built my confidence to talk to people and and it not be a scary thing um, and from there, over a period of time, it then snowballed into effect where now I know everyone. <laughs> um, and I almost wish I could be lonely. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> but to have five minutes would be nice. Um, but, but what a great position to be in. Two years ago, I didn't know anyone in my town. Two years on, I know everyone. And I'm, you know, asked to speak about the town. You know, I represent um, the community on um, council boards. I'm speaking on radio all the time, like this is such a journey for me and it's and it's something that people can do themselves but it just takes that first step yeah it's um it's good that you mentioned the big lunch actually because you held yours uh for the first time after the manchester attack yes. didn't you and how difficult did you um find it to sort of break out of your comfort zone with that um so i had just come back from the eden project community camp i was massively inspired um and then I woke up to the news of the attack um, and just thought, oh, I just can't do this. Like, who, who's going to care about a party? Um, but once I'd seen all of the good news stories, all of the people rallying together, the taxi drivers, the NHS staff, like everyone, I just thought, well, actually, they're going way outside their comfort zone because they have to. Why shouldn't I? even when I don't have to. In fact, it's more important to do it when you don't have to because it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a, um, for something traumatic to happen to bring people together. It should be something we do naturally. So actually, I, I took a lot of inspiration from the people in such a tra tragic event 
thought, no, I can do this. Um, so yeah, I wrote my little uh, wrote my little letter, got my uh, felt tip pens out, <laughs> and uh, posted it through the 37 households on my street, and and it was really well received, and it was the best thing that I could have ever could ever have done. Um, people people loved it. They got involved. It was something that people want, had wanted to do, but didn't want to put themselves out there. And it just takes one person to be the the one that's you know a bit scared, but you know a bit apprehensive. It just takes that one person to do it, and then so many people follow and they just loved it and um because some of the research that we've conducted um sort of shown that 70 you know around 70 percent of people who've held a big lunch say that it's reduced loneliness in their lives um has it helped people in your community they express the same sort of sentiments to you definitely um i I mean, I obviously recognised that I was lonely and I wanted to do something about it. And, and that isn't necessarily the case for all of the people on my street, but um, the, the meaningful connections that have been made between people that are able to help each other out. Um, you know, one of my neighbours, um, you know, will text me and say, oh, fancy a coffee today. And it's not necessarily just because I'm really fun to hang around with, um, but because he probably is sitting there thinking, oh, I'm a bit lonely today or, or I've got nothing on, you know, I want to reach out out to somebody and he knows he can and um and it's it's those little interactions that you can have even just a good morning or you know one of one of my neighbors had a, a flat battery and it was i was like oh do you want the jump leads and you just knowing that there are people there that care has a huge impact that perhaps you don't recognize every day but when you need it it's it's the most important part so yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. I've had great feedback. It's it's definitely had a lasting effect on our, our street. Um, my neighbourhood now, so a number of... Um a number of neighbouring streets have keep saying, oh, we saw your street party. We didn't know whether we should get involved. So this year it's going to be bigger and better. Um, and the neighbourhood really needs it as well. So, yeah, it's, it's hopefully going to get big, bigger every year and, and, you know, affect it positively impact more people. Amazing. Um, and lastly, is there any pluggables you want to plug? Oh my god, everything! <laughs> um, so the Happy Hood—that's um, uh, my um, community magazine that I started following um, the Big Lunch. Uh, so yeah, if anyone wants to check it out, it's um, the Happy You Project on Facebook and Happy You Project on Instagram. Um, so message me and connect, and yeah, I want to hear good news stories from around the UK. Awesome. Really interesting stuff there from Laura. Um, mm. Tracy, what do you sort of, you know, I know Laura touched on it there, but mm. what do you think of the power of sort of creativity in, in, is in com- overcoming these, mm. these issues and these problems people face? Yeah, I think um, Laura is probably an exam- a great example of what I was saying earlier. She is a bright, bubbly, young woman, and to look at her, you would not know that she was feeling, um, experiencing loneliness inside. And I think for someone in Laura's situation to be honest about her bereavement um, and to be able to publicly put it out there is a really brave thing to do. And I often say um, that it's great to be brave because when people are brave, they're, they're, you know, they often feel they're most vulnerable or weak or at a really low point. And it's really impressive to be brave out there. And that writing that she did and being able to express herself in the written word has given loads of people permission to come to her and say, 
I felt like that too. Do you know? And I feel like this. And I just think the more we're able to do that, the better. I mean, I think she is an absolute shining light. And I really believe that people need to not be afraid to be themselves. You know, so I often say I'm a powerfully ordinary person. And I think Laura is. And in being so, it becomes extraordinary because what she does now and her community work and the base of her experience of loneliness, being able to turn that into such a positive thing. I mean, she's had meetings with the loneliness minister and she's really become quite a strong advocate for the issue in her area. And she will not know the ripple effect that that will have of the many people that will reach. And I do think she's a real shining light. Yeah, and I guess, I guess you know, most importantly, it's, it's important to tell people that it's okay not to be okay and it's okay not to suffer you know yeah. you don't have to suffer on your own no. uh, and what, what Laura's done by you know getting her message out mm. there and, and saying that this is how I've coped this is how mm. I've you know been able to, to make things better for myself is so important I think mm. it's you know it's all credit to her she's done an amazing yeah. job she's a fantastic writer from what I've re- read of her stuff you know it's it's not only is it poignant but it's, it's mm. incredibly powerful and it's, and it's you know it makes for a great yeah. read so yeah she's fantastic I think she's a real person and I think, um, you know, I often talk a lot about authenticity and I think if you're having a bad day, it's fair enough to have a bad day. If you are struggling, um, whether that be with loneliness or depression, anxiety, I think it's fair enough to say, actually, I'm struggling. Mm. And I think um, we've got to put our personas away and be humans and there's many things set up to address loneliness lots of services befriending networks and they are all absolutely vital safety net but actually in order to truly address loneliness what we need is a human response what we really really need to do is to be connecting with people human to human and to be opening up to others and stop living in our silos Um, So I think if anybody listening to this, even if one or two people decide from hearing this they can be more open or they will connect with other people and put themselves out there and make an effort, um, then, yeah, that's success. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. Um, Really, really interesting insight into loneliness. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eden Project Communities podcast. Um, Thank you for listening and... Just uh, going on from what Tracy said, we will be posting some resources in the show notes. Um, if you or somebody you know is uh, dealing with loneliness at the moment, uh, there's some information there to help you. Um, thanks again for tuning in. And next week, we will be talking about the Big Lunch Community Walk. Thank you. <laughs>